Well, good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Janice M., and I'm a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. Today is Friday, October 30th, 2015. Today we are reading from the big book, and we're in Bill's story, and we are on page two. We're going to be reading the very first paragraph. I took a night law course. Today readers are today's readers are for the twelve steps. It's going to be Lisa H. The Twelve Traditions, Barbara K. The readers of the text will be Larry K, Iris G, and Chrissy M. Okay, our the share code for yesterday, which is a four digit number, that's Thursday, October twenty ninth, two thousand and fifteen, is eight one Five four, eighty one fifty four. The OA preamble: Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's tradition states, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence in the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Lisa H. to please read the 12 steps. Good morning. This is Lisa H., um, grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater from Memphis, Tennessee. The 12 steps. Number one, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him. 
praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you, and I pass. And thank you, Lisa H. I will now ask Barbara Kay to please read the 12 Traditions. Press star one, Barbara. Barbara Kay, can you hear me? All right. Who, who's available to read the 12 traditions of OA? I hear somebody. Hey, it's Sally. I got it. And then, this is Barbara. Oh, okay, uh, go ahead, Barbara. Please go ahead, Barbara. That's okay. Okay, I'm sorry. I don't know why it wouldn't let me unmute. Okay, can you hear me? I can hear you, yes. Okay, great. Barbara Kay, compulsive overeater from Georgia. Okay, the 12 traditions. Our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon our way unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry the message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group would never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, Declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such would never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they, they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name would never be drawn into public controversy. 11, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need, all, we need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, film, television, and other public media of communication. 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. And thanks for letting me do service. Have a wonderful day, everyone. I pass. And thank you. Same to you, Barbara. Thank you, Barbara Kay. How our meeting works? Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. 
this meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone, except the speakers, should be muted. Well, today we resume our study in the big book on page 2 in Bill's story. The very first paragraph, um, I took... And um, I took a night law course, and I will ask Larry Kay, please, to begin reading. Hey, Janice, this is a little bit surreal. <laughs> <laughs> I'm surrounded <laughs> by other compulsive overeaters. Uh, okay, Larry Kay, recovered compulsive overeater from Chicago. I took a night law course and obtained employment as investigator for a surety company. The drive for success was on. I proved to the world I was important. My work took me about Wall Street, and little by little, I became interested in the market. Many people lost money, but some became very rich. Why not I? I studied economics and business as well as law. Potential alcoholic that I was, I nearly failed my law course. At one of the finals, I was too drunk to think or write. Though my drinking was not yet continuous, it disturbed my wife. We had long talks when I would still her forebodings by telling her that men of genius conceived their very best projects when drunk, that the most majestic constructions of philosophic thought were so derived. Okay, so, um, you know, what I read in this paragraph is Bill's story is representative of how the disease manifests itself in our lives. And, uh, you know, it's his story, but it's it's also my story as well. You know, it's about the progression of this disease. And, you know, with, with Bill, you know, the, the question really is, is did I, as we heard the other day, the last couple of days, did I, did I eat like Bill drank? Did I think the way Bill thought? And did I feel the way Bill felt? And for me, it's check, check, check on all three of those. And, you know, what's, what's interesting is, you know, if you see what Bill and I have in common, you know, Bill, like Bill, I have an allergy of the body. Um, I know that. But I also have this obsession of the mind. And, um, and, and so Bill and I have that in common. And, you know, now here we read that the drive for success was on. You know, oh, baby, it was on. And, uh, you know, I, I can relate to that because, like Bill, you know, I wasn't too interested in markets. You know, but I probably should have been interested in markets. Uh, but, but I was more interested in, um, uh, you know, in uh, obtaining uh, validation from other people and, and all sorts of things. And I'll give you an example. One example for me is I, I so there I was around his age at that time, you know, in my early 20s. And I, I had a degree in, in psychology and I had this degree in journalism. And I thought, you know, here I, I got with my committee, uh, the three of us, me, myself and I. And, um, and we conferred and we, and we thought about, you know, what was important to me. And so I remember writing for a newspaper and it wasn't about, about informing anyone about the, the, you know, the news events of the day. What it was for me was I wanted to see my byline and I wanted, I wanted to see my byline and I wanted you to see my byline because for me, what that was going to do is somehow that was going to give me validation because really 
what I didn't want you to know was just how broken I was inside. Um, because if you knew that, then you would perhaps you would reject me. So, um, so, so I felt the way Bill felt. Um, he was seeking validation. He was seeking esteem. And, and, and this whole chapter, the first eight or so pages, is about the progression of the disease and about uh, the progression, how this disease wraps its, its arms around our neck and, and pulls us down into the quicksand. The thing about it is, is the hope is, is that then when we find our way to this practical program of action, and it is action, um, we, can, we can have a complete transformation. And that's what the heck I'm doing here among all these other compulsive readers. So uh, with that, I'll pass. Thanks. <laughs> thank you so much, Larry Kay. Okay, who would like to comment for about three minutes on what was read? Sally. Sally. Sally A. Okay, Sally A. Who else? Stacy T. Jill T. Stacy T. Is that right? And yes. Jill? Okay, and Jill T. Is that who you said? Mm-hmm. Jill? Okay, Jill. Anyone else? Mary Kay. And Mary Kay. Let's go with those four. Sally A. It's your turn. Good morning, Janice, and good morning, a vision for you. What a vision. (laughs) Well, this is um, a mountaintop for me, and um, I just have to start by saying that um, this is long overdue. I feel like I've been waiting for my friends to come home from war, and um, I'm just happy to be with all of you guys. So I really, of course, I identify with Bill um, on many levels, and I truly do believe that Bill was born for me and for all of us. Bill was a gift to us from God. And um, when he talks here, his, this particular paragraph, it reminds me of my climb um, to get to the top, to get to where people could see me because I was so lost. I was so myself so lost and desperately wanted to be seen. He said the drive for success was on. I'd prove to the world I would really was proving to myself that I was here, that I was even here. And for him, it was that he was important. My work took me about Wall Street, and little by little, I became interested in the market. Many people lost money, but some became very rich. And this is the part I love the best. I studied economics and business as well as law. Potential alcoholic that I was, I nearly failed my law course. And this reminds me of my last few years in the food, uh, going off to school to get my master's in psych so that I could figure what is wrong with me out. And when I went to these courses here, I was studying psychiatric nursing. And I was surrounded by teachers who were psychiatric nurse practitioners. And here I was carrying bags of good and plenty in my pocket. And I remember being called into one of the professor's offices, and she said, Sally, I think you might have Asperger's. And I thought, what the hell? These people are psych nurses. Do they not know me? I am not shy. I am not, like, I'm not Asperger's. That's that's not true. But I was just so, I was so lost inside. I was so emotionally, physically, and spiritually lost inside of myself. And so... I identify with him. I identify with him nearly failing his law course, barely making it out of school with bags of good and plenty in my pocket and just scraping to make it that far. And it wasn't long until I found a big book study that brought about the healing that I'm living in today. Thanks for letting me share with that iPad. And thank you, Sally A. Okay, Stacy T., it is your turn. Good morning, all. My name is Stacey T. I'm calling from Cleveland, wishing I were down with you today, but 
glad to be a part of this journey with all of you. And uh, I could really relate to this piece about I proved to the world I was important. And part of that proving wasn't just when um, I was Bill's age. It, it was just all along because I felt so badly about myself that anything I could do to prove to the world and to myself um, I wanted to do. Food had already become my master, and I didn't know what would be strong enough to explode that um, in my life to have me, uh, myself, and I show up in the world in a way which um, blocked out uh, the consequences of my drinking, my eating. Um, and though my dr- my drinking and eating wasn't yet continuous, I didn't have a a husband that it disturbed. I had family. I had friends. Though people didn't necessarily say things, though my family did, my food was um, always readily available, whether it was in my pockets, my drawers, the car, wherever it was, I needed my fix. I didn't know what the problem was. I just knew that I had a problem. And then when I knew I had a problem, what I did is I became the problem. I had no idea um, that there was this thing called um, allergy of the body and the obsession of the mind. And in this paragraph, Bill has talked about himself in 10 or 11 ways saying I. And I live this way and I live that way. And I lived like I was the only one that mattered. I was my own higher power. And in that cauldron, there was no way for me to get out. No way. There was no exit. Uh, as I was circling uh, the globe of I. And um, just for today and in this moment, I know that the death of I is the beginning and the rebirth of we and us. And with that, I pass. And thank you, Stacy T. Okay, Jill T., it is your turn. <clears throat> Good morning, everybody. First off, I want to say I am very grateful for the meeting. This is my 90th meeting in 90 days. About, oh, 98% of those meetings have been the phone meetings, and I've been to Facebook, face meetings, you know, face-to-face meetings a few times. So I want to thank you all, thank all the visionaries hearing my voice right now for their uh, experience, strength, and hope, and their continued consistency in the program. What the reading uh, is speaking to me today is, first off, the allergy of the body and the obsession of the mind has has just revolutionized the way I see myself. And I, too, though I wasn't striving in, as a matter of fact, I haven't strived educationally very much at all. I wasn't um, encouraged in the home. My home of uh, origin didn't encourage me intellectually or academically. However, um, program has turned the tables on me and has taught me that I do have value to me and I do have value to the world. And that I am very, very grateful for. And I, too, before program, I would scramble and do anything I could. I was like almost like a circus performer or a court jester trying to – I was so starved for affirmation and attention, positive attention. Praise God, I only wanted positive attention. But, you know, I I knew the negative was out there, and um, by the grace of God, I wouldn't get wrapped up in it. But I needed the positive attention, and I I sucked so much energy out of people's – lives and out of relationships 
uh, because I just needed them too much. And I'm not there right now. I could go back in a minute, but I'm not there right now. So thank you, everyone. Have a wonderful, wonderful weekend. Um, I, I love you all, and you've just really blessed me with an awesome uh, program. Thank you, and with that, I'll pass. And thank you, <clears throat> pardon me, and thank you, Jill T. Okay, Mary Kay, you're up. Good morning, everyone. This is Mary Kay, a grateful, recovering, compulsive overeater, and actually, and I am already in the Virginia Beach area, excited to meet people today. I haven't been on these lines this long. Um, the I only started, I only discovered the program with God's guidance to get me here in early early June was when I hit my breaking point. But this particular paragraph that I want to emphasize, some things that I've already heard, but I'm going to restate them from the point of somebody just very new into the program and, and, and on my journey for recovery. I've got a long way to go to get there, but and, and by the grace of God, I'm, I'm releasing weight, but more importantly, have clarity of mind and, and direction. The the drive for success was up. Oh, my goodness. I was in the world of Mary Kay, and I was going to the top to get people to stop. Uh, through respect, I thought, if I got to the top, my position would get me me relief from the ridicule I, I experienced and the, and the self-loathing that I experienced if I could be on top. And I went all the way to the top of the, the highest possible position in public education, and I still, on my birthday, they didn't know it was my birthday, but the seniors had a prank the night before, and I, I got to school and the day of my birthday, and at, at my place where I parked in big red letters, it said fat. So even though, you know, I was in my later part of my fifth decade of life, I was still experiencing the pain and humiliation and then the anger would build inside and the resentment because I knew, I knew everybody's got issues and everybody was messed up. But they just didn't show their, their problem on the outside the way I did, the way I, I had to bear, to, to bear, bear it. But I didn't know I had an allergy of the mind and the an allergy of the body and obsession of the mind. I didn't know until this book was introduced to me, and I thank God for that every day. I am so excited to meet the people who voice I already recognize on the line. I can't. I have, I have pictures of you in my head, and I'm here. I'm at my sister. She lives close by, and I did an old old behavior. I manipulated something so I could be here. So forgive me for that. Um, we scheduled an Eagle Scout ceremony this weekend so I could be here. So I am I'm very grateful for this, this vision for your rooms, for all of my OA friends, and I can't wait to meet you today and to, to continue to spread the word of hope and to share our stories. Uh, and I pass. Thank you. And thank you, Mary Kay. Okay, would anyone else like to comment on what was read? The first paragraph on page Charles two. H. from New York. Oh, Charles H. This is Duel. This is Bella. Can I share? We'll have Duel, and then we'll have Bella. Reva P. And we'll have Reva P. Leah M. And Leah M. Okay, let's go with those five, okay? Charles H., you are up. Thank you very much, Janice, and for your service. Charles H., a recovered visionary just for today. Uh, 
God, I thank you for waking me up this morning and waking up my, my friends and my, my sisters and brothers. And I pray for traveling mercy. I thank you. I thank you ahead of time for traveling mercies for those that have arrived. And I pray for traveling mercies for those that are on the way. And I pray that um, that this weekend can be a spiritual, inspirational mountain. Um, so I could so identify in with, you know, um, I proved to the world that I was important. I've done that, tried to do that for most of my life, and it nearly killed me. And, you know, when I got to the 11th step um, and really tried to improve my conscious conduct, I can't wait to go on that beach and just bring my books and just look at God. You know, um, how, how do you know, how do I know God talks to me when I think about other people? How, how do I know that that God is talking to me when when I don't have to prove to the world that I'm important? I want to be one of those uh, one of those sand grains on the beach this 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 weekend. That's what I want to be. Just one of them. Um, they're all important because every one of them supports the water and supports the millions of people that walk on it. Every one of them. Every one of you guys. Even the, even the guys and the, and the women that are not going to be there. You are the sand on Virginia Beach. You are all important. Um, and that's all I got to share, and uh, I love you guys, and I'll see you guys soon. God bless. And thank you so much, Charles H. Duell, good morning. You're up. Good morning. This is Duell, recovered compulsive reader from New York, and so grateful to be here in the Mariner's Room on the second floor of, of the Windham with 47 47 of us, and um, and still counting more to come, and it's it's so beautiful to um, to really realize what's our purpose for being here, you know, um, because we have a disease that's killing us. It's it's called the disease of compulsive overeating, and you know when it comes to Bill, he he realized that he had this disease um, when he took too much too much um, alcohol. He became disoriented. He couldn't think. He couldn't write. And that's what happens to me. You know, I physically get affected by by my binge foods. And, and then it says that, you know, he rationalized. He rationalized his disease. And that's, that's what happens to me. You know, when I'm, in my, when I'm in that disease of compulsive overeating, all bets are off when I introduce the food in. Let alone put the food down, I'm going to try to get back to it you know, <clears throat> by rationalizing. And that's what he did. He he thought that um, men of genius, uh, you know, they needed their drink in order to construct these philosophic thoughts and, and so derived. And that's the justification. That's the mental obsession when I want to be in the food all the time and I want to, you know, just um, do this type of, of behavior. And, um you know, and all bets are off, you know. I mean, even when, when his wife was worried about it, he was like, no, no, don't worry about it. Everything's okay. You know, I'm I'm good with it. And yet his life was being destroyed. His unmanageability was becoming more and more apparent. And, you know, and that's what happens, you know. And I'm so grateful that we're here today. We're going to learn so much from this book, we have so many great speakers that are going to talk and they're going to take us and break this big book down for us and 
and these stories and help us to see how to get the solution. And I'm hoping that for everyone that's here, that they can walk away with something, you know, walk away with some recovery and, um, and be catapulted to that fourth dimension. And it's just so beautiful to see so many of us here and um, be experiencing this live and, and getting the warm hugs from everyone. But most of all, I'm just so grateful because it's been an opportunity to spread this message of hope to others. And with that, I pass. And thank you, Duell, for painting a picture for us that aren't there, 47 people. And there's 253 people on in this conference online. So that could give you some uh, indication of this magnitude of recovery in this disease. Bella G., you are up. Bella G. Thank you. Good morning, everybody. My name is Bella G., and I am a thankful recovered compulsive overeater. Thank you, Janice, for doing this service, and thank you very much, everybody, on the line. Yes, I am not there physically, but and emotionally and spiritually, I am there. And I, 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 I feel I, I can see you, and I feel you all, so thank you very much. Well, this is not only Bill's story. It's Bella's story, too. I would prove to the world I was... I was only me, myself, and I, but I was never connected to none of them. I didn't know who I am, where I am. I wanted all the time just to run away from myself because I don't have any value. And I just did things only to prove to the world and not to to only one person, to a group of people, to the whole entire world. So I was never happy. I was never excited. I couldn't let myself feel whatever I feel because I was running away from myself. And this is this is the disease to prove to the world. Thank you, God. Thank you, God, that I am not there anymore. And, you know, before the program, I knew God, but I wasn't connected to him. And to him, it's the most interesting. I didn't even want to prove that I am exist, because for me, I was running away from God. For me, God was a punishing God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. I am not there anymore. Today, I, I learned to, to, to know who am I, where I am, what I can give and get, because I am happy with what I am. Thank you for letting me share, and I pass. And thank you, Bella G. Reva P., it's your turn. Good morning. This is Reva P., a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. And although I am not there physically, um, I um, am trusting my higher power that I will have another opportunity um, in the future. Um, what really struck me is how I am a driven person. This paragraph to me um, talks about the personality traits of the real compulsive overeater, being driven and driven by self. Um, there is no mention of the higher good of anybody else except he is determining his fate and he needs to prove. And why did I need to prove 
to everybody else that I was okay because deep inside I felt I was terribly broken and not okay. Um, and thank you, God, as a result of you know, first taking care of the allergy of the body and putting my alcoholic foods down and then working these steps as outlined in this book, um, I have been able to remove the blocks and um, develop a relationship with a higher power who shows me my real purpose. Um, And I might still be outwardly seen as ambitious, but it's with a whole different... um, it's with a whole different, um, and I can't describe the word. It's it's just comes from a whole different source. It's like, what would God have me do? Where would God have me be? I never ever even considered that there would be um, anything else driving me but myself. I thought that was what I was supposed to do: have the five-year plan, the ten-year plan, and that was the measure of success. What also struck me here was. Although he was too drunk to think or write, he doesn't say it disturbed him. It disturbed his wife, and he had to rationalize with her why um, he was doing something so fantastic to you know, create brilliance by drinking, and how insidious the progression is that I too would by other people um, you know, you might be having a problem and I was so resentful and angry that I ate to get them back because um, they didn't understand and they were just, you know, not as ambitious and were not going to be as successful as me. So it's the personality traits that lead up to the, you know, the full-blown um, manifestation of this disease and I so relate. With that, I pass. And thank you, Reva P. Okay, Leah M. from Virginia. In Virginia. Good morning. Good morning, Janice. Thank you. We're having a face-to-face phone meeting over here. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> the drive for success was on. Um, you know, I certainly relate to this paragraph um, of Bill's in terms of, you know, there is obvious progression going on, but he's unable to see the onset and the progression of his disease because he has a distorted view that allows for the development and the progression of that disease. And I relate to that. I mean, this disease had its talons around my neck from a very young age, and I always thought, okay, um, once I get through elementary school, (laughs) you know, uh, I'm not going to spend, you know, my days uh, on the couch in front of the TV anesthetizing myself with food, you know, I'm I'm going to belong. I'm going to feel part of the other elementary school girls. Um, and then, you know, we got to junior high and the vice uh, turned a little tighter. And then we got into high school and the talons wrapped around even greater. And, you know, I was trying different remedies to break free from the chains. Um, but at that point, you know, um, the chains of the addiction were too soft to really identify, and yet they were much too hard to be broken at that point already. Um, and so I just came up with ways to justify and rationalize my disease. You know, I was on a fast track. I was 
going to graduate high school early. I was headed for Ivy League college. Uh, you know, there were things that were deteriorating around me. You know, it says he, he didn't even show up, you know, for his law exam. I mean, I had certain uh, situations like that, you know, bags of M&Ms in my pockets and just in such a stupor that I couldn't attend a final or something. But, you know, I always thought, okay, once I get through this part and once I'm, you know, planted, uh, you know, in college, I'm not going to need this. But for right now, even though things are deteriorating, even though I'm getting medical consequences already, even though uh, my social life is really beginning to unravel, even though there's a deterioration on every part of my existence, even though, um, you know, my life was falling below any standards that I, you know, had in my mind, to me, the food was the glue that was holding me together. It was the glue that was holding me together. And it wasn't until I came into program that I realized that the achievements and the accomplishments and the pats on the back was just a faulty dependence for security and for happiness and a sense of well-being and a sense of, you know what, you're valuable, you're okay, it's all right, you know, you're loved. Um, it wasn't until the program of recovery that I was taken on a journey to 12 steps where that faulty dependence on people and places and things and outside circumstances, accomplishments and goals and all that could be replaced with something that was um, truly, you know, firm under my feet, the trust and reliance and dependence on a power greater than myself that I never knew existed. And once that was able to make gradually that transfer from outside worldly clamors to a God within, um, you know, I didn't need anything, any substance or chemical to relieve me of the burden of being me. <laughs> you know, so um, I'm just so grateful for this program and grateful that I no longer need to reframe my re the reality outside of me in order to support my disease. Today I have a program of recovery that allows me to align myself with the reality through the steps of 10, 11, and 12. 10, examining any disturbances that bubble up because they will. Step 11, opening that channel to my higher power so that I can have the air that I so desperately need in order to be useful. And step 12, trying to pay back that which was so generously given to me. With that, I pass. Oh, thank you, Leah M. Is there anyone else that would like to comment on this uh, first James. paragraph? James. Okay, we have a lot. I Amy G. All right. Before, before the ladies, um, I heard a gentleman. His name was? James. James. Okay. Do you have a last initial, James? A first initial to your last name? James C. from Ohio. James what, Jim? C. Okay. As in James cat. C. Oh, got it. Yeah. Got it. Um, then there was next. Nessa R. Nessa R. Okay. Renata. And Renata G. And who else? And Amy G. Did I get in there? 
Sure. Amy G., did you say? <laughs> yes, please. Oh, Amy G., okay. Anyone else? All right, let's go with those four. Carolyn H. Who? Sally H.? Carolyn. Oh, sorry. Hi, Carolyn H. Okay. Let's go. Let's go, James C. You're up. Good morning, everybody. Um, just wanted to say hello, and I'm just relating very much to everything that has been said. Appreciate the read. Thanks, everybody. I'm with you in the spirit. I'm out praying while while the call is going on that God would do his perfect work in the best way he can. But I wanted to say, share a little bit about uh, how I relate to this story and some of the things that have been said. Is personally, I have no resume. I'm I'm I'm, I'm fairly unsuccessful. Not I would say unsuccessful, but academically unsuccessful. But I found a way to be successful by mimicking or by by hanging out with the best, going to lunch with the best, visiting the best, going to their homes, and I learned to be something like um, there's a there's a there's a there's a there's an old movie out. It's called Catch Me If You Can. And I was one of the best imitators and fakers of success. And that eventually drove me um, to my personal successes in life. But I always questioned how people were successful and how people were calm and how people were, were compulsive and how people were. I always asked that question. And, and you know, I think the, the, the beginning of any answer has to start with the question. The revelation to anything in, in regards to opening your eyes has to start with the question. So I, I started asking the question of what's my problem? I'm faking it. I'm not making it. And I hated that saying, fake it till you make it. But uh, all of that was just head work and head knowledge. It worked from the outside in. But, you know, I will say I have a master's degree in self. I can act like a tree. I can act like an animal. And I can act like a man or, or you know, just in the, in the best of light. And, and I'm only using that as a, as a paradox or a parable to, to sort of explain what I'm saying. I'm a great imitator, great chameleon, can act like a bunch, can, can not stand up for anything that necessarily met right in the face of conflict, um, knew how to run backwards uh, when, when, uh, when things got tough, knew how to hide. But I want to say, you know, in all of that, um, um, right now I just appreciate that God has really directed my steps even when I was in that airsome attitude and that airsome mind of thinking, even before I asked the question, he loved me. And, why, and, and I'm bringing that up to say that he wouldn't allow me to be fully successful and fully satisfied being a chameleon or, or, or being a, a copycat of, of somebody else's life. So currently, I just thank God for my eyes being opened. And then, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm realistically, I'm four months into the program, but it's huge. This is huge. And I've stepped into something that I believe is, for the first time, getting down to the foundation of what my real problems are it's all about self it's it's all about the, the fingers that are all pointing back at me and it's all about you know it, it's not even somebody else's life it's really about what what am i required to do in the very present moment so often my past has dictated my future and my present but for the first time i'm living in the now and an hour from now i'm going to be with you in about 10 minutes but in an hour from now it's still now and i'm with god now and I'm learning how to be okay with God right now. And I don't, I don't have to pretend I'm anything more or less. I don't have to be sorry. I don't have to feel pity. I don't have to be uh, overly concerned. I just know that 
my future is dictated because I serve a great God right now. And so my future now is being um, impacted due to that. All right. With that, I, I pass, and I'll see you all in about 10 minutes after I get off this speech. <laughs> Take care. And thank you, James C. Thank you. Nessa R., please go ahead. Good morning, friends. I'm so grateful to be live on the line this morning on the eve of the convention, especially because I have a severe case of FOMO, a fear of missing out because I'm not going to be there. But I wish everybody a, a fun, successful, and inspiring uh, weekend, and I'll listen to the recordings. Driven. Driven was my middle name. I, um, I excelled at pretty much everything I, I did. I was a straight-edge student through school, through university, graduated at age 20. By age 22, I had a master's degree from an Ivy League school. Like Bill, I went into the field of high finance and rose fairly quickly through the ranks to a fairly high position until, you know, I, my disease caught up with me. I got in my own way, and I crashed and burned, just like Bill. Um, you know, I, I, I see myself in Bill's story. Uh, the way I was taught uh, this chapter, this chapter is clearly divided into, into two parts. Page one through eight is Bill's descent into the abyss, and the operative word there, as in my life, was I. I, I, I. You know, I kind of tried to count all the I's in those first eight pages. And I'm sure I missed a few and double counted a few others. But I counted around 120. Um, self-will, self-reliance, run riot, for sure, for sure. Nothing but, but Bill himself and him, like me, myself, and I in my own story. And the second part of the, uh, of the chapter is the story of Bill's recovery and his uh, skyrocketing to a new dimension of existence, to, to a, a beautiful life that he could have never had imagined had he succeeded in his um, business endeavors. And that is exactly the same for me. I have a much different life now. I don't have the life in the exhilarating world of high finance, um, you know, the, 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 the synthetic um, self-esteem and morale boosters that that, that provided. Um, I have a different life now, a very contented life. And um, those self-esteem and morale boosters come from Number one, uh, my relationship with my creator. And number two, doing his work, which is, you know, being there for my family and my fellows, uh, focusing on what is needed of me instead of uh, what I need, uh, being of service to others, being other-focused instead of being self-focused. And I see... Um, I see that clearly in my life, those two stages, the I stage and the God stage, just as clearly as it is shown um, in this chapter of Bill's story. And uh, with that, I, I will pass. And again, I wish everybody a very successful weekend. And thank you. Thank you, Nessa R. Okay, we have just about, about enough time they have the three next um, speakers. Hi, so, Janice. Do you have uh, room for Mary Lee R.? Um, I don't believe so, 
but we'll try because we have Renata, Amy, and Carolyn, and it's almost that time. So if we could just, you know, talk about three minutes, limit ourselves to a, at least three minutes. I mean, no more. Okay, Renata G., you're up. And we'll put Mary Lee for a second. Good morning, Janice. Thank you for your service. Good morning, everyone. Renata G., Recovered Composable Reader in New York. Uh, very excited to meet all of you in Virginia Beach. Now I'm going there with patients. Thanks to do. I want a lot of hugs when I get there. Uh, but anyway, you know, this paragraph in Bill's story, like I want to talk about the denial, you know, because in my disease, it took me years, many, many years to overcome the denial that, you know, compulsive overeating was a real problem and just a diet would not solve it. And like Bill, you know, it started affecting my life. My disease was progressive. And here we start seeing, you know, it progress a little bit. And, uh, you know, to the point that people in his life can see that it's becoming a problem. But then, you know, he comes up with justifications and rationalizations. And um, that's what I did. You know, when my mom or others in my life expressed concern, I would always, you know, convince them that, you know, well, this diet didn't work because it was missing this piece. But the, the, this new diet has this uh, other thing that is different and that's going to do it. And or maybe that treatment or, you know, so I was always trying to control my food, to control my compulsive eating, and it never worked. And the only way I could be convinced that I was completely powerless was when I, you know, I had, I got to, to, to you know, bottoms with this disease that it convinced me that I was going to die, you know, if I didn't stop, that it wasn't just a matter of trying harder. I, I had to see that I was completely powerless. And so, you know, until I could do that, I kept coming up with, you know, excuses to, to continue to eat the way I did. And, um, you know, I've lost job opportunities because of this disease, like good job opportunities that I worked really hard to get, that I invested a lot of time, money, you know, in, in schools and uh, effort. And then, you know, I I was not, I couldn't move forward because I was too overweight. And so, you know, but none of this made me stop. You know, I, I kept, I, I was kept in denial until I could really see the, you know, that I was completely powerless. With that, I passed. Thanks. Well, thank you, Renata G. Amy G., you're up. Good morning, Janice. This is Amy G. Thank you so much for your service, uh, Amy G. in Virginia Beach as well. And it's so exciting to be here. I'm, I can't look up. I'm going to cry every time I look up. This is Great Vibes with just 40-some. Imagine 450 or almost 500 people. It's going to be rocking here in Virginia Beach, just rocking. Um, you know, I'm piggy, piggybacking on what Leah was saying about this distorted view. I can so understand that the mental obsession is developing way before I even started doing my max, maxed out binging. You know, they say this disease is fraught with uh, the three Ds, denial, delusion, and defiance. And 
I, too, was driven, and I was in denial. I mean, I didn't know any better. I bought the myth the world said. You know, I was driven not for success. I was driven because I had one thing in mind, which was I wanted to be thin because I thought thin was well. I saw the media. I saw everything out there. I thought, you know what, if I could just be thin, my life would fall together. I'd get the boy I fell in love with. I'd get married. Everything would be hunky-dory. And it sounds delusional, and it is, but that's what I believe because I was already thinking in a distorted manner. I was self-centered and immature. I didn't know what I was dealing with, but at that point, I believe I had a hole in my soul that I was trying to fill with a knife and a fork, you know, because when things didn't go my way, I had one answer, and that was to go to the food, you know, whenever I was restless, serial, discontent, whatever. And I'm so grateful to be here today because, you know, these old ideas, it talks about it and how it works. It says, you know, we beg of you to be fearless and thrill from the very start. Some of us have tried to hold on to our old ideas, and the result was nil until we let go absolutely. You know, we're at this retreat. We're going to learn a lot of awesome things, and are we going to incorporate them into our lives? Are we going to let go of the old ideas of what's going to make us well? It says, remember, we deal with alcohol, cunning, baffling, and powerful. Without help, it is too much for us. But there, one, there is one who has all power. That one is God. May you find him, not, find him now. Half measures availed us nothing. We stood at the turning point. We asked his protection and care was complete abandon. And here are the steps we took. And these are the steps we're going to be going through to the, through uh, this weekend. And I'm so grateful to be with you all today. And hopefully I stayed under three minutes. Thank you very much. And I'll pass. You did fine. Amy G. Yeah. Okay. We're going to end up with Carolyn H. And Mary Ellen, perhaps you'll be available for our next meeting coming up. Carolyn H., please go ahead. Start one to one mute, Carolyn. Mm. Okay, I think Carolyn might be having some technical difficulty. So, Mary Ellen, if you're available, you're up if you wish to be. Can you hear me now? Oh, is this Carolyn? Hi. Is this Mary Carolyn? Lee. Oh, Mary Lee. All right, is that Carolyn? Yes. Okay, I'm sorry, Mary Lee. We got Carolyn back. Please go ahead, Carolyn. Thank you so much, Janice. I'm Carolyn H., a very grateful recovered compulsive overeater in Virginia Beach. (laughs) Sorry, just saying. (laughs) It's only because of the grace of God that I am here today, and it's only because of the grace of God that I seek to be here today. And this is... um, this is really a a very interesting way for me to be attacking the big book because I always um, shared in the past this was not my favorite story. I always tucked it away. It was boring. It didn't give me any information. And then all of a sudden one day I realized that light went off. Ding, 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 ding. And that light said that I was a winner. I won that brass ring on the merry-go-round. And what did that exactly entail? A lifelong journey with a higher power that I choose to call God today. Wow. So, you know, in part of that journey, I um, come across many things that um, help me to continue to make it a right journey because I always managed to screw up all the relationships I had along the way. But I realized that no matter what I did to this relationship, 
he was okay with it. I could do anything to him, and he was okay with it. Sometimes he'd give me a hard time, but for the most part, he let me do anything that I wanted to do. It was about me. Finally, something was really absolutely truly about me. And all I had to do was ask, and it was there for my taking. And part of that taking was learning how to feel worthy of taking. Hmm. Learning how to feel useful with that taking. Learning how to feel honored to be a part of that taking. Learning how to feel as though I earned that taking. Having revealed to me what I couldn't see with my own two eyes, I needed God to show me that I was finally doing what I was supposed to do. I was starting to live in the humility that he wanted for me. And part of that journey, I came across this this prayer for step one. To be honest, I'm not sure who I'm praying to. Maybe I'm talking to myself, but to be honest, I can't take anymore. My life is a failure. I feel like a, to be honest, I want to die. I want to quit. I want to quit hurting me. I want to quit hurting all of them. To be honest, I don't know what to do. For the first time, I really am lost. To be honest, I don't know if anyone hears me. But if someone hears me, please come find me. Because to be honest, I'm lost. Time. <laughs> the only one who came looking for me was God. Amen. Salvation City is on my list. And I can say, thank you, God, for doing for me what I could not do for myself. I cannot stay defeated time. and pray at the same time. And with that, I pass. Okay. Oh, I hate to do that. But thank you, thank you so much, Carolyn H. It is that time, and I want to thank everyone who has shared. Please join us if you haven't had time to share for our second unrecorded hours of study immediately following this closing. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Well, Chrissy, oh, let's have uh, Iris G. I'm sorry, and uh, Iris G., can you please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggested yes. only. Yep. This please. is Iris G., Recover Compulsive Reader from New York. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. 
but obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is a great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you. Until then.